Greetings, my name is Rick and welcome to all the audio coverage from a blog to watch for everything that's going on in and around Watches and Wonders, Time to Watches and all the other brands that are just pitching up on hotels in Geneva to speak to us about their watches. We have interviews galore for you, so hopefully you're going to enjoy the one that's just about to pop up and if you do, then subscribe to everything else on the Spending Time channel and search for a blog to watch weekly on your podcaster for all the news and reviews of the watches that you're about to hear about in these interviews. Enjoy. We are joined by Guido Terreni, and I know I will already have said that wrong, from Parmigiani. How are you, Guido? Very, very well, thank you. How are you? Very well, very well indeed. Now, we're recording this, we're cheating slightly, because we're recording this in advance of the show, just because it gives us better audio, and it also means that... I am not trying to pin down chief executives and CEOs and marketing people from all of these watch companies right when they are entirely at their most stressed point of the year. So Guido, it's a few weeks away. How stressed are you just now about watches and wonders? Are you looking forward to it? Is it a mixture of looking forward to it and oh crumbs, it's that time of year again? Well, to me, for a watch guy with uh, now, I don't know how many fairs I did since 20, since the year 2000. Uh-huh. So you can count them. Um, it's always the best week of the year because uh, you have this adrenaline, this this mm. moment of, it's not anxiety, but it's really eager to 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 feel the, the emotions of our most intimate work, which is the creation. So it's something that I look forward a lot. It's one of the, the weeks that you probably sleep uh, not so much, but it doesn't matter. You have the energy of the adrenaline and yeah. uh, and then you sleep three days after once you finish. So it's okay. <laughs> But I love I love the fairs, whether it's, it was Basel, I did 20 Basel fairs, or whether it's Geneva, it's really fantastic. And how are you finding the Geneva aspect of it versus the, the Basel aspect of the previous shows? Are you enjoying it more now that it's in Geneva? Does it feel more home from home, like you know where all the restaurants are? Uh, what I like about the uh, fair in, in Geneva is uh, it's very pleasant to work uh, in an environment like Jimmy Jim, Watch Some Wonders. Well organized. Uh, Basel also was beautiful, and I like the creativity of the the booths that were very much independent, and the, each booth could express its own identity. But overall, uh, the important thing is that they are a showcase where the brands can excel in in presenting themselves with all their values, and it's beautiful that the world comes to to one place. And in fact, I'm I hope that there will be only one place because we really need a, a one institution, an international fair where everybody's there the, and the watch lovers can, can see everything all together. Now, this is the second year of this format, but really the first year was still somewhat in the shadow of COVID. Mm. I think everyone still wasn't quite relaxed and there were a number of countries whereby we weren't really seeing people uh, traveling to switzerland so this is really the first year whereby everyone's got a clear run at it how have things changed for uh, parmigiani now that you've had a practice event if you like last year and now you know exactly how you, how you want your booth and your presentation what can we expect to see that's an improvement or a development from last year 
even just in the presentation of the stand? Well, uh, last year was the most difficult decision we took because uh, to be present in such a fair in the way we were present uh, is expensive. And I used every minute. Uh, I think I signed the contract as the last brand on the 30th of September 2021. So I took okay. all the time possible. <laughs> then we lived a week that was breathtaking because the brand exploded between March and May of last year. And Watches and Wonders for sure was a, a great contributor to the image building exercise that we are doing uh, since my arrival. So the fair was uh, phenomenal. Uh, I think everybody was flying at three meters from the ground and we were really happy of the response of the way that we presented ourselves. We did it in the style of the brand, very sober, elegant, without overdoing, and uh, and everybody was very pleased. And I think what was really beautiful is that we found, uh, I think uh, in all the fairs that I always did, for, probably the worst thing is always the lightning, no? because you never see <laughs> the light in the booth <laughs> and uh, the watches are not really magnified and uh, we brought basically the daylight in our stand uh, with this beautiful wall that was uh, retro illuminated with the balloon and, and it was like being in the day and this was really pleasant we were look, going outside from the sales rooms uh, mm -hmm. to, to look at the colors of the dials of the watches etc so we decided this year first of all to to increase the space because uh, as you said um, Chinese uh, were not there part of Japanese were not there last year now everybody has booked and, and we're mm -hmm. welcoming all the clients and all the press so we needed a little bit more space, but we, we kept this beautiful concept and we're going to have it also in the sales room. So we will we'll enjoy a natural daylight in, in the booth. Great. Now, I mean, you're situated this year next to Roger Dubuis, who last year was not the most subtle presentation, especially as the media room that we recorded and was right next door to that stand. So every 15 minutes, you got the volcano or whatever it was going off. So I dare say that your particular stand will be in suitable, elegant comparison to whatever ends up going on next door. <laughs> so your own background within the brand, you're obviously a, a very experienced uh, CEO and executive within the, the Swiss watch world. What's your own story as to how you've ended up here at uh, Parmigiani? Well, I joined in January 2021 and uh, after 20 years of Bulgaria, the last 10 uh, leading the the watchmaking division, so it's uh, it's it's been a a change of clientele, a change of brand, a change of corporate culture because I was looking for a, a watchmaking culture to to work with with a great environment in terms of supply because uh, the vertical integration of the pool that we are part of, which is the Family Sando uh, Foundation, Paul Roger with uh, movements, uh, hairsprings, uh, dials, cases, everything is in house and the brand can master its destiny if you want on this uh, on this aspect so and the clientele is uh, extremely connoisseur very very educated in watch making in luxury in general so the ingredients of the prestige of the brand and and the soul of the brand which is understated and very deep in the knowledge of watchmaking to me were a very high potential ingredients now to, to express a contemporary watchmaking based on a style which is not ostentatious and very, very discreet for a connoisseur, which is uh, not loud. And also something that we, we address with the Tonda PF. Yeah, now the Tonda PF is really, would you consider that to be the mainstay of the brand at the moment? Well, the Tonda PF has in very short time being recognizable, recognized as the identity of the brand today. Mm. So uh, it is, it counts now for 80% of our 
of our uh, waiting list and the Tonda GT, which is the sportier version of it, uh, the other 20. So it's really a brand who has taken off with this new style, which is, we call it a minimal rich style because it's apparently simple, very, very minimal in the look. But then when you go into the details of the making of each components, it has the refinement that Parmigiani has always had which is very superior and uh, and goes into a making which is extremely difficult to craft. So it's not in your face, it's subtle. And uh, and the pleasure of wearing a Tonda PF is really for who are real exigent connoisseurs of watchmaking. And the Tonda, I think, PF, as you touched on uh, earlier on with the reaction to the brand, at last year's Watch and Wonders really has taken off. You're experiencing massive demand for this watch by the sounds of it. Where does the brand go in terms of supply to that demand? Have you got intention to continually increase the supply because the demand is continuing to grow? Or is there, if you like, an upper limit for keeping the luxury and the rarity of the brand that actually, yeah, there is a, we want to produce so many of these? Well, the brand is a confidential brand because we're not talking about hundreds of thousand pieces. No, we're yes. talking about a few thousand pieces. But since my arrival, we we tripled the business and doubled the and doubled the quantities. But the problem is that this is nothing towards the demand that we have. The orders we have today are six times uh, the size of the brand that I found. So, of course, you cannot respond to this demand, which is so immediate. No, uh, I always say that. It is not a repositioning exercise that we're doing. It's more of a reactivation of the brand that was already prestigious, but have had lost in the time a little bit the contact with the customer. And now that we found this style, which is very contemporary and very fitting the demand, the brand has really started running from in the very short overnight. So the problem of supply is not really the capacity, but it's the speed of the acceleration where uh, you need a year to, to relaunch a production of movements. There are over 100 suppliers to make a watch, even for a group like us, which are so integrated because uh, when you talk about screws, glasses, gaskets, crowns, I mean, every component has his own specific supplier. Then you have a case maker who assembles and finishings and then and does the, the work of the hard work of the case manufacturing. The dials is the same thing. There are over 12 or I would say 20 métiers in a dial, depending on, on which are the, the style. Now, if you're using a gouache or if you're using lacquer, if you're using, I don't know, NML uh, in the traditional manner, as we do on the high complications. Uh, I mean, there are plenty, plenty of supplies that help to do the work of a brand and to have 100% industrialization is impossible. Also, mm-hmm. to coordinate this in a synchronicity in a brand that has basically no stock because everything that we're selling is very recent. It's an exercise which is really, really tough. That's what we're facing today because uh, we we are assembling just in time everything that we, we receive. Yeah, the logistics of the warehousing, if you like, of the supply chain for a watch brand is very underrated in terms of its complexity. You know, you might have a long lead time for the production of a watch, but equally a large number of the parts you're using also have a very long lead time. I assume that just in the same way that many industries are struggling with worldwide logistics, supply chains, etc., etc., that you've also found yourselves at the mercy of, we would really like to make more of these, but actually, at the end of the day, we can only make as many as we have parts for. 
how is the market at the moment for supply? Today, according to the reference, we're between eight and 14 months of waiting list for a brand uh, that a year and a half ago was didn't have one. So yeah. it's it's clearly something new for us, for our partners, for our clients. Uh, some clients view that we are talking to connoisseur, understand, and they patiently wait. Others uh, abandon, but this can be understandable. I mean, you, you cannot uh, wait forever, no? So if, if somebody has a three, four months uh, and then he starts looking for something else, this can happen. I cannot uh, change this. What we are doing is we are trying to serve the maximum clients that are waiting. I'm not interested in creating a desirability by privation. <laughs> I don't think that's a nice uh, way to create desire. I think the desire has to be linked to the, the ideas, to the creativity, so to the origin, the singularity of your proposal. And this is what we work for. How hands-on are you personally in the design process? If I had four hands, I would use them all. So are you sitting with a little notebook at the side of the bed that in the middle of the night you wake up with an idea? <laughs> I've always thought it was, would be great owning a watch brand because you really can just say, I've had this crazy idea and this is what we're going to do, folks. And I'm the boss, so this is what you're going to do, whether you like it or not. Uh, I want to see the the little notebook of a of a watch brand CEO and just see what's in there that that never made it. Well, it depends on what kind of CEO you are. There are CEO who are less involved in product and delegate uh -huh. more. There are other CEO who are the founders usually of brands are very hands on on the creativity and and I have always been very hands on the creativity because to me a designer is at the service of the brand and uh, cannot do his own creativity by itself and this is very important to. Create create iconicity and recognizability of a style. So I'm responsible for a holistic orchestration, if you want, of, of a brand relaunch, where I have put the product at the center of the relaunch because in, in our world, especially in high horology, I strongly believe that there is no storytelling, there is no brand experience that is worthwhile if the product is not the center of the value proposition. Now, I've never been to your offices, so I don't know how, how big they are or how they're organized. But when you talk to me about your hands-on involvement in the design, do they see you coming? Have you got a sidekick or a senior chap or chapess in another room that when they see you wandering in first thing in the morning, waving a bit of paper, they're like, oh no, here he goes again. We're going to have to talk him down from this next thing or, oh no, here comes the next great idea. Well, what we're doing today, we're doing it with the same designer that were there before my arrival. So uh -huh. it's not that I have a... Uh, so what my role is to to make the the people work around the values of the brand and around the values of the of the client. If you want the Tonda PF, I had it in mind uh, quite precisely in terms of the style, in terms of aesthetic codes that uh, that I wanted to be expressed, and they were all in the brand before. So if you study a brand from a design point of view and you look at uh, what it makes the style recognizable, you had five or six ingredients that were latent and not clarified, but they were in the in the assortment, the precedent assortment. One for, one on top of everyone was the PF logo that was a, a seal that was meant to, that was a technical thing that Michel designed in the early days of the, of the brand to pass the customs because uh, basically every gold case uh, has to be certified in the grams and the custom had to re uh, refer to the manufacturer. And for that, every case is sealed, uh, stamped with uh, with the seal of the of the producer. And Michel designed this uh, ellipse with a PF inside, uh, 
based on the golden ratio that he's so fond of uh, in an aesthetic way. But it was always hidden either on the crown or on the oscillating mass. It was never visible when you carry the watch. And just by placing it at 12 o'clock and by taking out the Parmigiani Fleurier, you're already making a statement because you're talking to a customer which is not ostentatious, which doesn't show off his uh, his wealth, but it's more a style for who wants to showcase its knowledge and watchmaking. Then there are plenty of other codes like the Guilcher that we made contemporary because it it we miniaturized it and and when you're doing a Guilcher dial, you're anchored in a in a creativity that is around the, the 19th century or even before. So it's something a little bit old-fashioned uh, and by doing it small it becomes a texture that is not invasive to the reading of the eye you can also misplace it for a simple plain dial but then it's not so it's in your it's not in your face it's subtle it's there but it's not there and this is a philosophy around a whole design that uh, that you have uh, on the total pf so now that we've dealt a little bit with the what is current let's talk about something particularly exciting that is on the way a continuation of the PF, and this is the PF Minute Rattrapante. Now, when I was told the title of the watch, I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so why? But now that I've read the literally one paragraph description that currently exists, as we're talking a few weeks out, why don't you tell us, Guido, as to what a Tonda PF Minute Rattrapante is because it's actually really clever. And I've no idea if this is a brand new original piece of thinking from Parmigiani. I suspect it probably is. But this is actually, I think, a genuinely useful complication <laughs> that, that deals with a kind of semi-chronograph function. So Guido, give us the SP on what the PF is doing next. Well, last year we surprised the uh, Watches and Wonders with the GMT Rattrapante. Yes. which uh, has been uh, extremely coveted by watch lovers. And uh, mm. it's the watch uh, that has the highest demand in this moment, together with the uh, micro rotor and with the uh, skeleton. But that was the first world premiere. But if you look at the world premiere, it has some ingredients that are very into the brand, no? which is the simplicity of the idea, the purity of the idea, which is very Parmigian. So when you're doing a GMT Rattrapante, you're basically simplifying and minimalizing the the experience with the GMT in a way that you have a function when you need it and when you don't need it you have a hoop to hander so that's the philosophy of it's there but it's not there a bit like what we said before with the with the guilloche no? that you see and you don't see and this subtleness is part of the brand and technique applied to the movement is a design element you design with technique Michel always said that technique is beautiful, and he is right, mm. because the way you conceive a, a function is already giving you the purity of the display of the time and what you're doing. So GMT is probably, after the chronograph, is the most uh, important function in the world. And uh, we wanted to interpret it, uh, interpret another function, and I had the idea of saying, well, why don't we work on the scuba, on a diving watch? Yeah. I always ask myself why watchmakers use the function without the movement because a diver watch is done by the case. Okay, so you you don't have any function that is linked to the movement that showcases the time that you have to 
get out the water and how much time you're risking if you continue to stay in the water, which is the function of the bezel. So we said, uh, I, I asked my team to say, why don't we do a watch that can tell us through the movement and not through the case. And when you're not swimming or when you're not uh, doing it, you are basically having a 200. And then we we said, but uh, but this is not a diving watch. This is much more because mm -hmm. uh, it tells you the time when you have to leave the lounge and go to the gate. It tells you the time when you have to do something important. It tells you the time that we have 15 minutes in this podcast and, mm -hmm. and it tells yeah. you when to stop. Uh, yeah. uh, if you want to cook a spaghetti, you put uh, your timer. And if you want to add a couple of minutes, you can add a couple of minutes. So basically the function is uh, the look of the watch is always the same. So you have a two-hander, but instead of having two push buttons at uh, one push button at uh, eight o'clock, you have two push buttons. One is at eight o'clock and one is at 10 o'clock. And then you have always your attrapante function in the crown. So the you have a minute hand, which is hidden, the minute hand that usually tells your time. And with the push button at the eight o'clock, you advance five minutes of the time, a golden hand that is beneath the minute hand. And then if you want to fine tune it, you have at 10 o'clock, a push button that advances one minute at a time. So if you have uh, to do something for 12 minutes, for instance, you press twice the push button at, at 8 o'clock and twice the push button at 10 o'clock. Then the hand remains there. It doesn't move. And your time is elapsing. So if I, my speech had to do, I had to do my speech in 12 minutes, at a certain point, you have the two hands which are overlapped. And it's the time that you should start doing something, go to the gate or stop talking or whatever. And then... The time goes on and you start saying how many minutes you have uh, you have uh, abused, if you want, your time. <laughs> then when you decide that uh, you don't need that measure anymore, you just press the Rattrapante button and your golden minute hand uh, catches up with your minute hand. In relation to the previous question, I hope that you wander into the office saying, guys, we're going to make a dive timer. And then, and you waited until the dust settled, and then you told them, you know, you wanted them to do it without a bezel on it, that you kind of kidded, kidded your staff on that you wanted them to put a dive bezel uh, on the PF before you revealed what you actually wanted. I think this is a stunning idea. Now, I've often posited as Azario on a blog to watch about the complete useless and impracticability of a chronograph. Looks great, really complicated, nice, but nobody ever uses it. But you see this particular version of the complication. I think this is, on the one hand, it's the ultimate fidget spinner. You would just use it for anything. Yeah, I'm going to have a 15 minute phone call. I'll just, I know what I'll do. I'll use my watch to do it. Uh, or as you say, the spaghetti timer. So congratulations in coming up with something even more novel than you did last year. I think this watch will probably... Would your expectation would be that this would be in even more demand than the GMT upon its release? What's your guess? I stopped guessing uh, <laughs> kind of things because we had uh, six, seven times uh, what we put in production on the GMT. So uh, uh -huh. I know what I can produce. <laughs> <laughs> and then we will see <laughs> you heard it here first folks if you want one of these go to Guido on the stall if you follow the noise to the Roger de Bui stand it's right next to that one 
and get your name on the list during the show to stand getting one of these uh, in 2023. No, it's a stunning watch. You'll be able to see the pictures and a review of it at a blogtowatch.com. So do go and check that out. And if you are at the show, if you're going to go along to the public days, then make a beeline for uh, the Parmigiani uh, booth. I think it will be spectacular and you're really going to want to see at this watch close up before you never see it again and join a queue that as you say <laughs> is going to last about 14 months so <laughs> thank you guido for joining us it's been really great to make your acquaintance and i'm really looking forward to seeing you at the show and to seeing everything that the brand has to offer in 2023 where does the ceo of another watch brand go to first at watches and wonders so do you get in early? Like everybody else gets in at half past eight. Presumably you can get in at like eight o'clock or half past seven. Yeah, normally, normally I enter um, around eight. Around eight. So around eight. Do, you go, do you go for a wee sneaky look across to somewhere else first? Or are you dedicated? No, the first thing is uh, meet the team. I, I want uh-huh. to kick off the day, uh, have a small chat on how the previous day went. And uh, and keep everybody informed, and uh, and feel the pulse of my staff. This is very important. And then uh, it's uh, it's all day long uh, interviews, meeting clients, uh, yeah. and this is fantastic. And then the first time I have some time to really exit the booth is around the last day, and there I like to browse a bit the competition, meet somebody that I know yeah. in the industry, have some chat about feeling the feeling the mood of the fair uh-huh. uh, but it's as i said it's it's really a fantastic week i i'm always eager to to be there and uh, of course after uh, after eight uh, you go dinner with press or clients or yeah i mean it's a uh, it's around the clock uh, week and uh, it's fantastic great stuff well i think you're gonna have an absolutely cracking show if what you have been able to reveal to us today is as good as it sounds because i am very much looking forward to it so have a great show don't stay up too late get some beauty <laughs> sleep don't do anything i wouldn't do <laughs> we will see you in geneva have a great day pleasure. goodbye thank you rick been a pleasure thank you very much for listening to this interview please subscribe to the spending time channel and subscribe to a blog to watch weekly for all our weekly news and reviews content from the gang at a blog to watch thank you for listening goodbye